I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There is no better group of pots for flower power than forms of the shrubby potentilla. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. And I'm very excited because later I'll be talking to the newly elected chair of the Garden Media Guild. She's a gardener at Stocktonbury and an in-demand speaker on all things horticultural. It's Tamsin Westhorpe. My thanks to Sutton Seeds of Torquay, sponsors of this podcast. We had a really heart-moving event at Cooling's Garden Centre last week when school children from two schools in the area came into a really big greenhouse that also accommodated a fair number of uh, retired folk. We called it an intergenerational event and the choir from Charlton Manor School especially sung without any accompaniment, youngsters from about six to nine or ten, and I tell you, they sang their hearts out. It was a tremendous event. Uh, The old folk absolutely loved it, and at the end they were all given a poinsettia to take home. So uh, it was a really good event, and one that I hope that we'll be able to expand on in December 2019. We certainly learned a lot from that particular occasion and my thanks to Coolings for all they did to make us all so welcome. The weather last week uh, was really quite comfortable for uh, December and you need to keep on with the winter tidy up. You know the last of the leaves are pretty well down now so uh, we can get all those raked and tidied up and composted. Uh, I'm afraid I haven't got my back lawn mown yet uh, and the one that I did mow at the front has already started to grow again so uh, if we do have one or two days with the wind drying I must just get the top clipped off at a bit. The information I have from Garden Trade News is that the last weekend, November, December, saw the biggest garden centre sales uh, for the last, only recent years, probably the biggest sale ever. All looks very good and promising, particularly as there's no heavy snow forecast such as we had last year. So it looks as if you're still visiting the garden centres and certainly I'm still busy out in my garden. Might be December, but uh, the gardening world hasn't closed down. Richard Jackson, I hear, after 24 years, is stepping down as QVC's gardening presenter. He will still be seen talking about his flower power products and, and is extending his range into plants next year. I wish him well. Another great fertiliser entrepreneur, Richard. You know, he's sort of following in the steps of... Uh, Doc Dave Hassan with his baby bio, with Bobby Manners and Fostrogen and Horace Hagedorn with miracle Grow. Now we have Richard Jackson with Flower Power. Wish him well again. Oh, and another three Wyvale Garden Centres sold. This time, Enfield, one of a string of garden centres in what uh, 
a number of us called the Golden Mile in Enfield. I mean, that's gone to a private investor, but we'll continue to operate under licence for a year. And then Wellingborough Wyvale has gone to Higgins Landscape and Garden Centres and Wold's View to Woodthorpe Hope Hall. I think that breaking up that big chain and getting more independents operating those centres uh, will be very good for them. I like the energy of single human beings driving centres wherever possible. And the Garden Centre Association is just announcing its best festive Christmas display competition, won by Barton Grange Garden Centre uh, and also, for smaller turnover, Castle Gardens in Sherbourne. There are area winners too, Ruxley Manor at Sidcup, Whitehall Garden Centre at Laycock and Whitechurch, Perrywood in Tiptree, Essex and the Sunshine Centre in North London, St Peter's and Fairways in the Midlands, uh, Frangor, Tong and Coletta and Tyson in the north of England. So uh, if you're into Father Christmas and all that uh, sparkly stuff, then uh, those are the places to go for really big displays. A Fleur Select to the uh, organisation that promotes uh, flowers from seed, particularly summer bedding, has just uh, drawn attention to the People's Choice Award from their French Marigold Trials. And the winner is a French marigold, Lumia Vanilla Cream. That came first. Second was Durango B from Pan American. And third, Pots of Gold from Thompson and Morgan. It's interesting how uh, the People's Choice Awards uh, go for things which are quite different to uh, the professional judges. There was only one that uh, was common to both, and that was the Zenith Red That marigold trial, incidentally, was uh, also staged at Cotswold Wildlife Park and in Europe at the Jardin de Plantes Paris, at the Ego Park in Erfurt, Germany and at the Taoiseach Research Institute in Dublin. So uh, marigolds had a pretty good doing this year and next year it's the turn of nasturtiums. A bit of advice too this week. I've just pruned back my climbing rose guinea a really dark red fragrant rose. It was thrashing about in the wind and so I've reduced that and pretty well done the spring pruning just to make uh, the wind resistant much less. Uh, And I've been repotting some roses in containers too, just knocking them out the pot, taking off some of the old compost and replacing it with new. I'm using uh, loam-based, a fair bit of John Innes, to give a bit of weight, you know, roses like some uh, heavier stuff to get their roots into. Oh, and don't forget the weeding. I've, I've just noticed a number of seedling weeds getting uh, going amongst hardy cyclamen and dianthus in pots. If you can get them out while it's small, it's so much easier. I'm still cutting some uh, flowers from that new cut flower dianthus from Wetmans. The red one, red carpet, makes a perfect buttonhole. Uh, There's three there, a red, a pink and a white. I think they're going to be very popular. Don't forget too that the chrysanthemum stools in the garden, they need to be lifted and boxed up, put into a cold frame or somewhere protected so we've got cuttings next spring. Plenty to do. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Our guest this week is a lovely lady that I've known for some years. In fact, we've written for the same amateur gardening magazine for several years. And really, it's quite an exciting time for Tamsin Westhorpe, uh, because last week at the Garden Media Guild Awards, uh, she was voted two rather special things. First of all, joint chair of the Guild itself, and to my mind, uh, really very exciting. She won the Marcus Harper Award for uh, services to the Garden Photographers Marcus Harper, really lovely man, died just a little too soon. And to have his memory recorded by an award to Tamsin, I think was fantastic. Uh, were you excited when you heard the news, Tamsin? Yes, I was so shocked. I think it's the most shocked I've ever been. My legs would hardly carry me up to the stage. <laughs> um, it was just so amazing and totally unexpected and something that you know, to, to have that award in the name of Marcus is incredibly special and I feel very honoured indeed. He was a real lovely man, wasn't he? A real gentleman. Yeah. Yes. And, and a it's great... lovely that he will be remembered every year and, you know, by so many every day. So. Yeah. And you were actually voted for. You know, it wasn't a sort of judged thing. The membership actually vote. And so I think with those uh, membership awards, somehow you feel more comfortable with them general acclaim. Now, Tamsin, how did it all begin? You know, when, when did you start in horticulture? What first fired you to become a great gardener? Gosh, well, my mother told me a really lovely story the other day. We lived in a boarding school in Surrey where my father was bursar, and we lived in a schoolhouse within the school, and there was a concrete pad in the garden. And I asked my father what used to be there, and he said, oh, probably a greenhouse. So I was about eight at the time. So I put on my Christmas list a greenhouse. And my parents bought me a terrarium, like a sort of bottle garden. And when I unwrapped it, I said to them apparently that it just wouldn't be big enough. <laughs> um, so in the end, my father had to build a greenhouse on this concrete pad. And uh, mother was telling me that she found in the airing cupboard, amongst balanced on top of all her sheets, lots of seedlings in yogurt pots um, and they all dribbled down into her laundry so it wasn't a very popular choice at the very beginning with my family. <laughs> I remember clearly saying to my father you know hurry up you're being too slow building this so um, but I think really I've been so fortunate growing up in a family that is very appreciative of horticulture. Um, my uncle at Stocktonbury was creating the garden. He started to create the garden when I was a very young girl. 
And I've watched him do it. And I think that is what has definitely inspired me to make this my career. Well, let's just take it sort of year by year before we get on to uh, Stocktonbury, which is one of the main reasons I wanted to speak to you today. From that early childhood uh, experience, and it's interesting, isn't it? A number of uh, key names in the horticultural industry. I'm thinking of people like uh, Alan Titch. Oh, and goodness, the uh, Yorkshire lady whose name eludes me for a minute. Yes, Christine Walkton. Just a packet of seed and away they go. And it was, yeah. the, it was the same with me, you know, just with two or three tomato seeds uh, as a very young age. And, and so uh, from starting at home, then what happened? So I worked my way through school, not very successfully, I don't think. Um, but actually at school, we had an art teacher um, called Mrs. Henk. And she cleared an area of the wood at school and uh, it was beautiful. She had little pathways and we would go and have lessons in the wood. And actually that really inspired me that we would go down there and watch the seasons change within our school time, which I think a lot of children don't get to do that. So I'm very grateful to her for creating this little wood that we used to go and sit and chat in. And I, I loved it. It was a real escape from normal school life. Um, but from there, I left um, school at 16 and was sent to Herefordshire to live with my grandparents. I'm not sure my parents knew quite what to do with me. They'd sent me on a secretarial course, which I failed miserably. Um, so I was sent to Herefordshire, Stocktonbury, to work with my um, great uncle, John Treasure, at Burford House Gardens. Um, and that was fantastic. He was very strict with me and taught me how to weed. Um, I watched him move plants, you know, a few inches to the left, to the right. I was kind of his legs when he got quite elderly for a year. Um, And it was a real joy and an honour to work with him, actually. I was very, very lucky. He was one of the great names, wasn't he? I had no idea, really, that he he was so well thought of. And you know, but he was great friends with Christopher Lloyd, Beth Chateau, but it all went completely over my head. It was just the fact that I was there in a lovely garden. From there, he suggested, I think, he probably had enough of me, that I should go <laughs> and be educated. So I was sent to Sparshelt College in Winchester, and um, there I did a year's course on interior landscaping, so focused on houseplants. Um And if I'm honest, I only signed up for that course because I didn't like the idea of doing any more than a year. I thought it sounded awful turning to education. Um, But after a year, I I realised it was great and signed up for another three to do decorative horticulture. Goodness, so you're pretty well trained then, Tamsin. One of my college lecturers was David Hurrian, who's a, a garden writer. So he's been very helpful to me and um, encouraging in my career as well. I didn't realise that David had lectured at Sparshall. Yes, he was a very good lecturer, very good. Yeah. And so then where? So from Sparshall College, I went to work at Bournemouth Park's department. Um, I had a great aunt in in Bournemouth and I think it seemed sensible someone should be near her. Um, And I worked in the lower garden by the sea and I was probably one of the first females to work at Bournemouth Park. We had this lovely tin hut 
sort of by the pavilion opposite the Royal Bath, sort of nestling in some rhododendrons. And I hope to goodness it's still there because it was rather, rather gorgeous. If anybody's listening, you know, can they rush out and see? Yes. <laughs> yeah. is, is the tin hut still there? Um, and it was, I absolutely adored it. I have to say that this is the happiest I've ever been in my life working with those guys. It was fun. It was a really good team. It was a beautiful place to be. We were by the sea. I learned a tremendous amount and, and got incredibly fit because um, it was tough work. Yeah, it was just complete joy because I remember we used to go for holidays in Dorset to see my great aunt and we would walk at night through the lower gardens and um, it was all candle lit in the summer. And I always thought that the flower beds were created by fairies because they were also covered with <laughs> And they were so beautifully formal. And, and so to actually work on them and create those beds, it was just brilliant. I absolutely loved it. And, and after working in the parks for probably eight months, I was then moved on to the bowling greens at Merrick Park. And again, another lovely group of guys. And um, we would mow the greens really early in the morning, so up at 5.30. And I used to cycle along the seafront from Alamchine to Bournemouth on my bike at sort of, gosh, quarter to five in the morning. Must have been wonderful, yes. That was just, when I look back, I think, what a romantic thing to do. Yeah. You know, to be able to start work like that. And don't you miss those seaside, really uh, beautifully grown and planted borders? I mean, yeah, absolutely, I do. Yeah, I, I visit a lot. Um, I love the sea, but I think I'm probably a country girl at, at heart. It's lovely to be able to um, you know, have lived two sort of lives. And what is amazing is the soil difference between Dorset and Herefordshire. It's it's like a totally different hobby. Things grow in Herefordshire. So, yeah, it, it's been a great experience working there. And so then where from Bournemouth Parks? So Bournemouth Parks, oh, my goodness. I ended up at um, Secrets Garden Centre in Surrey. Tamsin, yes? uh, I worked on the design of that. Did the Secrets you? Garden Centre, yes. Yes, because my parents were obviously still working in Surrey, so I was there for a while. Right. Um, and I remember Penelope Keith being a customer in the garden centre, and it was all very exciting, you know, who would be able to answer her questions. So that was great. Yeah. Um, and from there, I went, gosh, I've danced all over the place. Um, it was back to um, Stuart's in Wimborne, garden centre there, and I did some more interior landscaping, um, I, I really moved into garden centres, to be honest, after the parks, which I found equally exciting. And then I got an opportunity to join a magazine as a real junior, I think literally unpacking boxes and making coffee at IPC magazines that was in pool. So I had no intention of becoming a writer because I just about got a GCSE in English and I, I'd never used a computer before in my life when I started at <laughs> magazine. Tamsin, don't tell anybody, I failed English at level. That's brilliant. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, I think what gives you the edge and what helps you is failure. It sounds terrible, but um, I really struggled at school. And when I was put into this, given this wonderful opportunity on a magazine, I was so terrified that I would 
double, triple check everything. Yeah. And you, you, you know yes. you know nothing. So you take every bit of advice that you, you're given. And I think learning through fear is quite, is quite useful in some, some respect. <laughs> well, it helps you to remember, doesn't it? <laughs> exactly. Yes. You don't make the same mistake twice. No. Well, hope not. With IPC, that's where you and I came together at Amateur Gardening then. Yes, and I eventually ended up, after working on your garden, um, at Amateur Gardening. But before I started at Amateur Gardening, I did have a small shop in Wimborne in Dorset. It was something my father said I needed to get out of my system. And it was, it was really fascinating to me, actually. This is where I realised how much I just adore people and their reactions to horticulture. So I was selling um, gardening wellies and trowels and forks, etc. And, um, you know, it was a really interesting time for me. And it's funny how you look back on things you've done and you think, well, that was very useful, actually. When I became editor of the English Garden, I now know how to order paper bags. I know how much money people are happy to spend and what level of knowledge they have. So the shop was actually very useful to me. Um, and within that time, I also lectured at Kingston Moorwood College, um, the RHS certificate. Um, so I met some wonderful students there. I used to work there on a Monday when the shop was shut. And um, some of them are wonderful and they still come and see me at the garden and we stay in touch. So that was, again, something that I did through fear. Um, yeah. and uh, loved it. It was just wonderful. So I, I learned to communicate, and I also learned the most important lesson, that if you don't know something in horticulture, just admit it, because some, you'll soon be caught out. And, and that's quite important. You need to be quite brave to say, yeah. sorry, I don't know, but yeah. I'll find out. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, I wish more people would do that. I think, you can't uh, know everything. I mean, I do a lot of talks now and people feel sort of, oh, gosh, I don't, my Latin plant names aren't that good. But, you know, who knows everything? Nobody. A lot of people have specialisms. So, and I think if it's worrying you that you don't have the knowledge, that's such a shame because it takes the sparkle off, off gardening. So I think people should relax, really, about what they do or don't know. Yeah, but... but... Tamsin, you slipped in there the editorship of the English Garden. Yeah. I mean, that's a fantastic, high-quality monthly magazine. You know, (laughs) we should underline the fact that you were editor of that, August. That came up, really. I worked for Amateur Gardening, and I loved it. I absolutely loved the weekly um, magazine. And Tim Rumble was my editor, and he was fantastic. It It was just a really happy time again. And I think weeklies really do need to be praised for the, the amount of work they do and how timely, you know, how relevant they are. But I, I got asked to apply for the job at the English Garden by a publisher. I think really, bless her, she said that they couldn't find anyone else um, and I, because it was based in Cheltenham at the time. And it, someone had obviously said that I was from Herefordshire. So it was a really lucky thing for me, a lucky break. And I had a wonderful team there. And it was a real, uh, gosh, it was, it was a real challenge for me initially. And um, again, stepping into a role that probably on paper I shouldn't have. So I'm very grateful for that opportunity. But it's quite different writing a column to actually editing the magazine. I mean, you become a sort of 
people manager, don't you? You know, you absolutely. I mean, I think that is where my lecturing and my parks, working in a team is just a joy. I love working in a team. I love the people that you have around you. Um, but I think really editing, it's underestimated what it involves. You've got to have a good eye for pictures. You've got to be a good negotiator. You've got to know and understand your reader. You've got to be good at being in meetings. And you've got to deal with your advertisers. You've got to create a relationship with them because they're equally as important. And keep coming up with ideas. So it's it's a job that is, gosh, it's varied. It really is. Um, And I think if you do that for a while... You know, you take your hat off to people that that do it. It's it's not easy, um, but there's a lot of rewards when you see the magazine in print. So what made you make the big jump from uh, magazines and garden writing into actual gardening? I think I was probably ready to not be driving so far. And also, um, my uncle has Stockton Big Gardens. It's four acres. And he's, I don't want to tell you his age, but he's getting older. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, my sisters and I were really, really passionate about Stockton Big It's been in our family for five or six generations. And we're so keen that it, it remains in the family and beautifully maintained. So it's really my heartstrings drew me back to Stockton it was a good time for me to, you know, I'm still fit. I love my gardening. So it made sense to come in and, you know, try and try and keep it going. So, um, and I'm still writing and lecturing in the background, but, uh, you know, the garden is definitely the priority for me now. But I think that writing and lecturing comes to life if uh, the person doing it has dirt under their fingernails you know, I remember yeah. somebody saying of the late Fred Whitsey writing in the Telegraph, you could smell the soil when you read his copy. Uh, and yeah. I think that's true today. Too many people just sit isolated and completely from gardening, writing about it, and it shows. But I think also, when you're editing, you don't actually write that much, because like you said, there's so many different things that you're involved with. But um, when I write now, I find it so much easier than I ever did, because you're just writing about what you've seen today. And it's little things that you notice, you know, that, you know, at the moment all the snail shells are empty, the birds are hungry now. You know, little things that you wouldn't, you can't remember when you're sitting in an office. And I also think that when you're planting a plant, you remember it. When you look at a picture of it, it's not so easy. So it's, yeah, it it is much easier, I think, to share something that you're experiencing every day. Tamsin, it's been wonderful sharing your experiences. Thank you very much indeed. I hope we can invite you back in the summer when Stocktonbury is blooming, you know. Thank you, Peter. It's a joy to talk to you. My tailpiece thought for the week really comes from a leading garden goods manufacturer who was heard to complain at the Garden Media Gear Awards that while 70% of gardeners were organic, 83% weren't. And he couldn't understand why garden writers and communicators were almost 100% organic. Well, that minority are pretty vocal, I must admit. Uh, And one of my colleagues, who was writing about uh, wood lice, was pilloried for uh, suggesting an insecticidal answer to a problem. I can't think why, because they'd already listed 
several natural and organic means of uh, reducing their numbers. Somehow the balance is wrong. What I like to do, when I get a query on pests and diseases and that kind of thing, is to give both options and let the gardener decide whether he wants to use peat or not peat, use plastic pots or non-plastic pots. Surely we should just give all of the advice we can and leave the user to decide. Thanks again to Sutton Seeds of Torquay, sponsors of this podcast. And thanks to you for listening. Enjoy your garden. We'll be back next Thursday. Discover more at sungardening.co.uk. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.